Welcome to the Heart of an Underdog show with Javi and Jessica, where we talk about how to adapt and overcome your biggest health challenges so you can beat the odds, turn your pain into purpose, and live in victory. Today on our show, we have Paul Silva joining us with a story that you don't want to miss, so stay tuned for that. Remember to subscribe and share this episode with your friends and family. You can download all our episodes at heartofanunderdog.com or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. If you would like to catch our live show, you can find us uh, every Saturday morning at 9.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on Facebook. It's facebook.com backslash heart of an underdog. And if you want to become a sponsor of our show so we can continue to bring you inspiring guests and valuable content to our amazing audience, head over to www.javiandjessicamadrigal.com and choose the sponsorship level that works for you. We sincerely appreciate your support and partnership on this mission of impacting lives. So let me share a little bit about Paul and his story. Having survived multiple terminal diagnosis and transplants, Paul Silva has learned the key role faith plays in healing. He now teaches this on a full-time basis. He would say that he's been blessed by having survived multiple near-death experiences and that he's been further blessed by learning how to spot God's hand in his life experiences. Upon retiring from his career in finance, he's discovered that, that there is something more important than helping people with their money issues. It is more eternal than that. That's what led him to create the Three Steps to Wholeness Adult Discipleship Course. Please help us in welcoming Paul Silva to the show. Hey, Paul. Hey, Paul. How are you doing? Good to see you. How are nice you doing today? You. Oh, I'm great. We've got a nice sunny day out here and uh, I'm feeling pretty good, so uh, got to be thankful. That's awesome. right. Awesome, I love right. it. Hey, now tell everybody where you're located and where that sunny day is and a little bit about yourself. Introduce yourself so they get to know you a little bit better. Okay, well, I'm in upstate New York. I'm about uh, halfway between New York City and Montreal, which puts me in a kind of a resort area. I don't live in a resort, but <laughs> <laughs> I have a more modest lifestyle than that, but I'm um, guessing some of your audience might be familiar with uh, either Lake George or Saratoga where they have uh, horse racing. Oh, awesome. uh, okay. Yeah. I'm right in between those two. So that's great. That's great. Perfect. So when we first spoke to you, I mean, you had more than we're probably going to be able to fit in one hour. <laughs> I know that because <laughs> we didn't even get into it. We were like, hold on, wait a minute. Uh, like, so what do we really want to go over? But I do want to jump into kind of, um, you talked about you have multiple transplants, you have multiple terminal diagnosis. Can you take us back all the way before any of that was going on and sort of what your life was like and then kind of when did you start going through these things and really what led to your first, you know, round with medical adversity? Okay. Well, what led to it as uh, as my spiritual history goes, I spent about 25 years being a devoted atheist, which surprises the people who know where I am now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, during that period of time, I lived a debauched lifestyle that included everything that you shouldn't do. All right. And one of the outcomes of that, as you reap and sow, um, was I contracted a, a blood virus that basically ate my liver. So my first major exposure, I'd, I'd been healthy my whole life right up until then, um, was getting a liver transplant. And that, that was quite an experience because we're talking like 25 years ago when that was a lot more of an experimental process than it is today. 
Uh, and then things went okay for a while. Then uh, a couple other things happened, a couple of heart attacks. I had uh, been on immunosuppressants so long that they wiped out my kidneys. So I had to go on dialysis for like two and a half years. Wow. And then the guy walks up to me at church, a friend of mine, and he says, you know what? You need a kidney. I got two of them. Let's just go do get this done. So he volunteered as a live donor. Wow. You know, for, for a non-relative, that's that's pretty rare. And I thought uh, a great example of uh, Christ-like living. Uh, so the next big deal was getting a kidney transplant done, uh, which relieved me of having to do dialysis anymore. Uh, it's led to some a couple other things, but you know they're being managed as we speak. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm thankful for that. Uh, in the interim, I also had a couple of bouts of internal cancer. Wow. Uh, it's, it's not unusual for a person whose liver has been shut down for that liver to become cancerous. And uh, my first exposure to divine intervention is how close it got after 14 um months on the waiting list so i do want to promote organ donation while i'm here on your show and have the exposure uh because there's a lot more people dying than need to be uh considering how many organs go to waste just because people aren't aware of organ donation but maybe we'll get back to that yeah yeah Uh, yeah so when, when they opened me up to do the liver transplant they found that there was cancer there and it was just under the amount that it would have required them to just close me up and send me home. So they did, they went ahead and did the procedure. Okay. So that was my first inkling that that God's hand was in it, that he did want me to, to stay here and learn what work he wanted me to do for him. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. I love that. Those are the little things that just don't, they like don't make sense, but they make even more sense at the same time. It's like that, that makes so much sense if God was doing it. But at the same time, like, you know, in medical, it's like, Oh, that doesn't make any sense. How is it possible? You know, that, that that's, it would be that close. And that's exactly why it's possible. We've experienced some of the same types of things. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about you started out as a 25 years as an atheist. And then you said suddenly one day at church, the guy walked up to you and donated a liver. What took you from being an atheist to being at church at that point? What was the, the, the transition oh. there? Okay. Um, during my atheistic phase, it was partially because I was a student of philosophy. I mean, that's what my degrees are in and all that kind of thing. Uh, and I was reading the wrong stuff. And I was full of pride, which we know, you know, source of all sin and all that. Uh, so I thought it was all about intellect, do it on your own. There is no God who cares for you. Uh, but to answer your question, what got me from that place to the beginning of my walk with Christ all right, was uh, attending uh, conferences where I was exposed to a rational approach. I mean, Christianity is one of the few uh, world religions that says, come, let us reason together. And and it kind of had an accumulative effect on me. It was breaking down my barriers. Uh, and I, I finally just got to the point where I said, look, the evidence of there being a God is overwhelming. You just can't deny it if you take the time to look into it. Yeah. So I gave my heart to the Lord and then started this spiritual path that I've been on for 25 years since then. 
Oh, that's the, wow. I love that because you're absolutely right. There is so, there is a lot of reason. There's things we can't necessarily prove we weren't there, um, but there's so much evidence. I think people just don't realize how much evidence there actually is. And you said, I've, I've actually met people that their whole entire life's journey was to disprove the Bible. And in disproving it, they actually proved it more. And now, of course, they're lifelong Christians, but they diving yeah. into it, they, they were like, oh my gosh, I thought diving into it, I would be disproving it. But of course, all I did was prove it because there's so much evidence. And of course, that's God's plan is to make sure that, you know, we do know by evidence, even though it is by faith, he does provide quite a bit of evidence. Yeah, which, you so know, I love that. I, I, I have so much respect for people like yourself that um, can put down their own ego, their pride enough to say, okay, let me at least listen to what's happening. Right. And not putting, and I'm sure at first it was, it, you put a lot, you were adding a lot to that, but after a while, just kind of leaning in a little bit and being open-minded enough, open-minded enough <laughs> to, uh, to just give, give God a chance on the truth of what really the truth is and that there's a possibility that, like you just said, I was reading the wrong stuff. Yeah. I was listening to the wrong people. There is that philosophy because, I mean, excuse me, there is that that possibility that, oh, wait a second, mm -hmm. I could be wrong all these years of study, by the way, yeah. uh, that all the time I invested was the wrong thing and but I'm willing to put all that down mm -hmm. to get to know to get to know Christ to get to know yeah. a, a, a true living God and and to me that's that's amazing to me yeah. because yeah um there are so many there are so many people out there that are are lost uh in their spiritual selves Really, because that's what the culture breeds. Yeah. The, the yeah. culture really breeds of uh, breeds that ego, breeds that mm -hmm. pride, it breeds self, um, and it also does. Then, like you were saying, it leads us down to a road and has us doing things that we would never really self deprecation, have done. just totally and utterly mm -hmm. on our own. I've been there before yeah. too, totally and utterly, like just going to do this myself and that just never works out well and and, and <laughs> it just it, it it leads us towards death right really yeah. does uh not only spiritual death but physical death and and christ he's, he's just he's come to he's come to help us all in that way so um yeah i i i again i just have so much respect for people like you and people that just uh are willing to put down uh what they think they yeah. know and open themselves and up that, to yeah, it. Yeah, and that obviously led to a whole bunch of different, you know, um, epiphanies and discoveries for you, spiritually speaking, and um, throughout your journey. So when you're talking about that was your first inclination that God was moving and he was with you, um, let's dive into some more of that because you kind of gave us an overview of your of all the things you battled, but I want to dive into those a little bit. So um, where, what was the next thing? Like if you were talking about, you know, you had your liver transplant and that that was the thing, okay, God's in this. What did he, Where did he take you from there throughout these, these health challenges? Well, 
we each have a pathway that God is leading us through our life on. Okay. And although my pathway had an extended period of time where I was an enemy of his, he still loved me. And since I've come to know him, he's been able to show me all the ways and the things that he did for me, even before the liver transplant. So I, I don't want to say that that was the, the beginning of it. Okay. I, I had made the transfer into moving from just evidence and rationality to faith before the liver got so bad that it needed to be replaced. Right. Right. So when I was talking about the first thing about it was that that was God's way of showing me that not only does he love me, but that he's willing to intervene on my behalf. But the way he did it with the liver transplant was by using men, the physicians. Mm -hmm. Okay, but after the transplant, the head of the uh, transplant team came out and spoke with my wife um, once it was sure that I had survived it. All right. And he told her textbook, this guy was dead. All right. We, we didn't do it. We know he had something else in his corner and he verbally acknowledged the crucial role that faith played in in getting me through that. And that's very difficult if you look at it from an empirical point of view. These guys are very highly technically changed or trained. It's really hard for them to admit that there's something else going on. I've never heard that. Absolutely. I don't think I've ever heard anyone tell me that their doctor came out and said, faith definitely played a part in that. That's that's incredible. Yeah, well, yeah. it does. You see it among the nursing staff a lot more than you do yeah. the surgeons because oh, yeah, they're sure. seeing a guy who's he's under anesthesia. You know, they don't know him from Adam kind of thing. But the nurses will frequently recognize the patients that thrive or the patients that have faith. Yeah, absolutely. And it goes really back to what you were talking about when you were an atheist, not saying that doctors are all atheists. I'm not saying that, but they are in they are literally neck deep every day in the science and the methodology of that right because they're about saving lives and they have to know and understand the body in their particular uh speciality uh Mm -hmm. and so a lot of times they're so absorbed with with what they have to do and their own personal skills Okay, mm-hmm. I, I hate to say this because I, I, you know, but it's true. There are some people, not just doctors, but they, they, they take their skills and they're so good at their skills, mm-hmm. uh, they feel that they are almost godlike. Yeah, especially those that are that are about uh, uh, saving lives. Again, yeah. I say this, not just doctors, a just lot of other general. people in general get caught up in so much of ego, they think that it's all about them. But but when God walks in that in that, yeah. in that operating room and he goes beyond science, beyond it, you know, it, human understanding, mm-hmm. there comes a point in everybody's life that you have to say, wait a second. Yeah that something else happened here. Everything else I saw, textbook, textbook. Yeah. He should have been dead. He was dead, but yeah. something else happened. 
I love that and you say beyond that. science. That was awesome. Yeah, no, that is awesome that they acknowledged it. Um, when you say beyond science, that's something I think what we're seeing here is, I say this a lot, God created science. It's not separate from God. Yes. He created yeah. science. So yeah. I, don't, I don't understand why we always separate it. Like it's God or science. No, it, <laughs> no, it's under God. He created it. So when he goes beyond that, it's just one of the things he created, right? So there's science yeah. for us to be able to study, for us to be able to understand his creation. That's it. Science is the study of understanding God's creation. That's it. Absolutely. So when he goes I, beyond- I'd like to give you an example yes. of, of yeah, that. Yeah, I love yes, that. Yes, absolutely. Uh, well, and, and I appreciate what you said, Javi, about if if you deny the existence of God, the only person who can be God in your life is yourself, right? Yeah. So, and it's not limited to people who have highly technical skills. I've met an awful lot of people who seem to have no skills whatsoever, but they still think they're God. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> not to be too sarcastic, but uh, so true. but on the other end of the spectrum, I, I want to give a little honor to my father. Uh, he was a, a PhD research chemist with 17 patents to his name, but he had faith from the get-go, and he knew what Jessica just said. Science is just discovering God's creation, yes. and, and, and he didn't see any contradiction in that at all. Yeah. Okay. So, but to go back to, to the, the, the pathway that you wanted us to explore today, the, the liver was only a way of him showing that he could intervene on my behalf. Yeah. But his intent long term was to show that he is even greater than that. Yep. So after the liver transplant, after, uh, oh, and the cancer came back, by the way, the one that they, they took out with the liver. Oh, okay. That, that's the part that he chose to use to display his miraculous healing power as opposed to just the technically enabled healing. Okay. Right? No, that's great. So, so to go from the intervention to the miraculous, um, the, when the cancer came back, um, it was discovered that I had a mass on my liver by a scan that they do. Okay. And they says, well, the regional hospital says, well, why don't you go back out to Boston where they got more expertise on this. And, uh, when I did, and I, in the meantime, had attended a, a prayer meeting and so forth, had a lot of people praying for me throughout this process. And I thank them all. Uh, but when I got back out to mass general in Boston, uh, they ran the same scan and the cancer was gone completely. Wow. Right? wow. Well, that is God contravening, or I should say, uh, there should be a better word for overriding his own physical laws. Yes. yes. He made the laws, and if he chooses to use something that is outside those laws, instead of the natural, the supernatural, yep. well, everybody hates that word, yeah. <laughs> okay? but, but it is beyond natural uh -huh. for him to do a miracle. Yes. Yeah. Right? yeah, I so love that. That was a miraculous healing that showed me the difference between those two. I love how you broke this down. I actually haven't really heard anybody break it down that clearly before. The, the how, where and how God intervenes and how he intervenes differently. And just how sometimes he just overrides his own natural laws. He's like, this is how I choose to do it here. And sometimes I choose to do it this way. And I love that it's always beautiful and perfect, but that he shows that he's so multifaceted in how he walks with us. So I love that. Absolutely beautiful. You know, and it's amazing when people bring their personal stories like you uh, of evidence of that supernatural because there was a scan, all right? An actual scan and 
Now, look, I, um, my background, I, I, I've worked in, in the healthcare, uh, in healthcare for 25 years and, uh, specifically working on diet, diagnostic equipment, uh, working in that environment. And I know the scans you're, you're speaking of. I've seen these scans. I understand the, the technological side of those scans and what all goes into it and who reads it. It's not one person. Okay. It's other doctors is other specialists. It goes through many different channels, especially when it comes to diagnosing somebody with either cancer or reoccurrence of cancer. And what you're saying is a growth. So I want to make this clear. There was no mistake that it was there at the same time. This it's the reverse. When you were diagnosed with something and they take another scan it's not just one person looking at it. It's yeah, it several people, hospitals. several, right. yeah, several people, a team of people looking at these scans and diagnosing. So when you say it was there one moment and then going somewhere else and getting another scan and getting another diagnosis, it, it's gone. That, that is truly amazing. Yeah. There's no doubt. So yeah. walk, I would love to hear more about, um, these, you had, you said you had several transplants. You had, you, you were like through a couple heart attacks in there. It's funny when you go through so much that like one heart attack will change someone's entire trajectory of their life. And it's like the biggest thing that ever happened to them. And it is no, no questioning. We've been through a heart attack. It's a huge thing. But when you've gone through also being through a lot of things, I understand the idea in your head that like, oh, well, some of that was small compared to some of the other stuff. Like, it's like your perspective changes. So can I, I want to talk a little bit about your perspective that you've got, you've gained throughout mm -hmm. all of these things you've been through. What's, what is some of the, you know, the top couple things that you feel like it's just a huge takeaway that you could share of just being that you've gone through so many things, even if somebody's going through one thing and that's, you know, it's a big thing they're going through. Like, what is, what is the takeaway you would give them? God is there with you. Be aware of that and open to receive what he has for you. He, during this period of time, uh, you had mentioned, and I, I like in the beginning of your show, uh, turning pain into victory. Was that the? Mm -hmm. um, turning pain into purpose. Yeah. Well, yeah. Even better pain into purpose because the course I teach is all about purpose. All right? So we'll get back to that. All right. But he taught me pain management techniques while I was so my mental faculties were so reduced after the failure of the liver that it was like a mental exercise for me to button my shirt. Okay. All right? you, you, when all the toxicity that's normally filtered out of your bloodstream by your liver with the liver shuts down, the next finest oil filter, if you want to call it that, is your brain. So it gets all loaded up with this stuff, all right? Yeah. And your acuity goes down as, as it accumulates. Even when I was in that impaired state, he kind of took me aside and spoke to me and said, look, here's something you can do to make this tolerable. Huh. All right? And and if you want me to spend a minute, I'll let yeah. Yeah, go one of them kind of funny. <laughs> okay. Now, he knows each of us so intimately that he knows – how to say things to us that we can receive, that we'll understand. Mm -hmm. And he knows everything we've been through, so he can 
pluck pieces out of it to use. So in my case, I used to and still do love blues music. And he knew that I went through the whole rock and roll era of the 60s and 70s and stuff. So when the pain gets nearly intolerable um, and they wouldn't give me any pain meds while I was uh, liver impaired because pain meds are processed in the liver. So right. you don't have access to the normal relief method. So he, he, he sang a little tune to me, right? There is this, this tune and I don't even know who did it. I mean, it's so long ago that I heard it, right? And it goes basically, excuse the singing, right? Rolling my sweet baby's arms, rolling my sweet baby's arms. We're going to lay around the shack till the mail train comes back. Rolling in my sweet baby's arms. Right? Oh, you have totally great singing voice. That's right? great. But, but, but the funny part is what he gave me, it, it, again, in my impaired state, was leaning on the everlasting arm. Wow. And I had never read in the Bible or heard that in, in anything, right? But you just take that phrase put it to that tune and I could just run that through my head over and over again when the pain was too much. Oh, wow. That is beautiful. That is a beautiful gift. And I, I hear that. So, Oh my gosh, that just speaks to my heart because so music is my relief anyway, for, for stress. Just, I just, re, I music yeah. like is in my bones. It's in my blood. It's just, I, when I hear it, I feel it. I'm inside of it. It's a weird thing. Like it just does everything for me physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, all that. So when you telling me, you're telling me that God speaks to you through music, I, he does with me too. So the, I completely understand how powerful that would be to just have something you can just like commune with. And I, and it's funny now that you, you immediately said leaning on the everlasting arms. And I know that song. So when you put those two to two and two together, but he was speaking your language, that song that you knew. And, oh, that's so beautiful. What a gift yeah. that was. Uh, yeah. That's an it was a big encouragement. So now I've totally lost track of, uh, my no, train no, 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 no. There's no <laughs> track. Me back on the page you want. There's no track. I just, I just want to know more about your story. I want people to know more about your experience because look, everybody's mm-hmm. experience is so unique and beautiful, especially, um, you know, when we, we really dive into the moments that aren't just your clinical stuff, like that's what I really, I want to know more about that. Like what else did God do for you throughout that you feel like is that are the things that you use now to share with people in your teaching, in your coaching, in your course, mm-hmm. what, what else do you, you know, did God do? I want to know more about that because those are the things that he's really trying to share, right? Those are the things he does yeah. so that those are used in m- multiple lives. So what are other things that, that God did throughout that are just super unique like that, that you could share? Well, I have a pastor that I've had for quite a number of years, and he has said on a number of occasions that uh, the thing about me is that I've made him waste five eulogies because <laughs> it comes to the hospital see what, what kind of shape I'm in and go home and write a eulogy. And then the next Sunday I'd show up at church. So <laughs> that's great. The, the next uh thing that he gave me is the gift of resilience okay if your listeners are currently struggling with a medical challenge all right i would encourage them to look to god for the strength to bounce back from it where you are right now is not where you're necessarily going to be in hopefully a short period of time but even if it takes some time you can be in a better place even before you're graduated into the real better place. Right. right. Okay. So, you know, keep you. And the, the other funny thing was combining the uh, 
the heart the first heart attack I had was the day they put me on dialysis. They put me on the machine. Um, the kidneys had totally shut down, so they had to do a catheterization. I'll, I'll speak your medical language for you, Abby. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so they did a catheterization, put me on the machine. Before the treatment's even really going good, I'm having a heart attack. So they take me off the machine and do another catheterization to do a stent. And then, you know, and then wow. it's back to dialysis. So I had one long day there. That's okay. a lo- I was going to say, that's a, that's a long day, long day man. Day, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, but um, to move on from challenges and they don't have to be medical. I know that's what you guys focus on. Okay. Yeah. But people face all different kinds of challenges. Sure. Absolutely. You know, I'm glad that you remembered the 9-11. There are people who were emotionally challenged by that who weren't anywhere near the site. Yes. Oh, of and course. then you got the people who lost somebody in it and they're scarred, you know? Yes. So I want to pray for the people to get past that event and for, to encourage them to discover what God's purpose for their life is. Mm-hmm. Because when you mentioned hope, all right, the thing that came to me was knowing your purpose gives you hope. Yes. Because when you know your purpose, you've got something to do that you know, if it's God's purpose, not your own, okay? God's purpose for your life was pre-designed before he knit you together in the womb, yes. all right? He gave you gifts and, and things that he wanted you to use. Yes. So in my case, again, going from the atheist to the Christian, everything, I had spent over 30 years in the financial arena, mm-hmm. which has nothing but worldliness in it. Yeah, yes. for sure. There's nothing eternal about it because no matter how much assets you accumulate, you're going to leave them behind. Yeah. I mean, you never see a hearse with a, a U-Haul behind it, right? So, <laughs> yes, exactly. So you're only affecting people for a short period of time. <clears throat> what God's purpose for me was, and he revealed to me throughout this process, was I am here to use the gift of teaching to help people discover their purpose by learning what gifts he already enabled them with. Yeah. He equips us to be good at some things more than other things, which is what started the growth of the three steps to wholeness process. I love that you so said- if you'd like, I can describe what, what that is. Oh yeah, yeah we're yeah. definitely gonna dive into that. But I wanna just, before we do, hey, look, if you're just joining us, if you're just ju- jumping into this uh, podcast and, and you have never met Mr. Paul Silva, make sure you go back and watch this from the beginning. He has an incredible journey uh, with uh, medical issues, with life in general, with God, and all of the things that God has done and still is doing for him. You know, it's such an incredible testimony, not only for God, but just for the, the human spirit and the way that God has designed us to, to deal with things and to re, to be resilient and to resolve and to bounce back and to move forward and all of that. So really go back and watch the rest of this or listen to the rest of this and uh, you will just be absolutely inspired. I want to uh, make a quick note that you said something. You said graduated into the best place. I love that you use the word graduated. Like this is a whole we're going through a course which is life and then when we die it's really our graduation (laughs) i love that that's your perspective is that something you got from this journey or is that something you've always like did that come from your dad or was that something no it's one of those things i just i just heard somewhere that um i have a friend who does a number of funerals and it may be from him but uh, i can't tell for sure with my memory (laughs) where i heard it but but it is like a graduation because we are not citizens of the world right we're citizens of heaven 
Yes. Right, right now we're here, but we will be there. Yes. And when you compare heaven to the world, it's a graduation. It, that's a big step up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it really is, isn't it? But, it's true. But having that viewpoint, though, do you feel that helps you when you, you're currently going through some some sort of health battle, right? Or mm-hmm. it's some of your past things. Having that that view at life itself, uh, do you find it easier to take on some of those those things? Because I know that, like you said, some of some people really get hung up with their heart attack or with or their stuck or, yeah. and stuck. Mm-hmm. I should say that's a better word. Stuck. They. They fall into depression. They fall into many different things after their diagnosis or after their challenge. Do you feel that helps you? The eternal perspective takes the weight off the here and now. Yes. Okay. So let me give you an example just by way of personal experience. My wife and I are on the same page spiritually which is a blessing that I'm continually thankful for, you know, and she was with me through all of these different things. Okay. And just rock solid in her faith that we both felt if I don't survive the next operation, so be it. It's God's will. And from my perspective of heaven being so superior to earth, that's good for me, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, right? But and and she's been with me in that way that wow. people say life and death matters as if that's the biggest example they can come up with for how important something is or how critical it is. Well, that's life and death. Well, no, not really. If you have the eternal perspective, life and death is just a transition. And we know that the place we go to is better than where we are. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, so it's like life and life, really. Yes, life <laughs> and eternal life. Yeah. With, yeah. with a glorified body that doesn't have all the problems as this one does. It's a graduation to a new suit, man. <laughs> yeah. <Yep. laughs> like exactly. When you don't have to have maintenance done on all the time. But uh, I want to get. Um, let's go dive into your three steps. I really want to. Absolutely. Okay. Great. Tell us how you're um, people. I'm my gift, and we're going to talk about giftings. All right, is that of a teacher, which is just a different word for a researcher. Okay, teachers teach, but what they really love to do is research, and then having done the research, they want to share that with somebody. That's why they teach. Okay, um, the three steps I'm not that much of a creator. I'm only beginning to learn how to use language to create, but I can research and I can synthesize other people's research. And that's where the three steps came from, right? The first step, and because I have this expression, I don't think I got this from anybody, but it's bad grammar. (laughs) If you ain't getting it done in worship, nothing's happening. (laughs) (laughs) So the first step, of the three okay is becoming aware of your predisposition towards a certain worship style right okay. now after i found the lord it was a, a pentecostal person who finally pushed me over the edge so i went to a pentecostal church you know which is 
great for a lot of things. And what I found from him is that his style was intellectual and that's why he was able to talk to me. Other people's style might be different, but they can talk to people I can't talk to. All right, we each right. have our unique giftings in that. So um, there's a book by a guy named Gary Thomas uh, called The Sacred Pathways, where I get the first step from. And the purpose of it is to discover the fact that there's nine different ways that you can love God. By love God, I mean worship. Right. Okay. Right. <clears throat> so the church I attend tends to be predominated by people who are charismatic and demonstrative and very active and excited about their worship. Yeah. Okay. That's not my predisposition. <laughs> okay. I'm more of a contemplative. All right. But it didn't bother me to be around those people. And I encourage other people to once they become aware that there's nine different ways, there's traditionalists, there's naturalists, there's, I, I could go on for too long on just this one step. <clears throat> but if you discover what your own predisposition towards worship is, or the channel through which you can love God most effectively, all right, and the little detail on that is, this is not strictly DNA based. This is environment influenced as well. The church you attend might have one style, whereas your predisposition, like in my personal example, might be different than that. But if you're aware of all of them, you can show grace to the people who are worshiping differently than you do. Yes. Okay. Because Agreed. that's okay. That's how they love God. Right. right. But it doesn't mean you can't focus on what works best for you. Right. So once a person has discovered the different types, which one is theirs, then they're in a position where not only can they show grace, they can experiment with other worship styles. OK, I'm not a naturalist. You know, the, the guy who goes out into the woods and feels close to God. Right. Yeah. I'm not an outdoorsy kind of guy. Right. Okay? But I can really appreciate God's creativity in his creation by going out in the woods and saying, oh, this is wonderful. Right. It's not my main one, but it's good to develop a facility to be able to appreciate the other ones. So that's step one. I love okay. that. Yeah. And the second step is where the real meat of the course takes place. Uh, and those are called the motivational gifts. And unlike your worship style, these are DNA based. Right? The giftings that have to do with, let's call them talents. All right. The things you're naturally better at. You already have them. You've been equipped with them. It's a tool that you were given. Right? And what I've learned by studying that um, through a book called, uh, I think it's a God's Given, uh, I can't even remember the name of the book, and I use it all the time. <laughs> you know, there's still some residual bad brain in there. <laughs> so at any rate, <clears throat> there are people you know who are just natural servers, right? Yeah. They're happiest just behind the scenes doing the things that they recognize need to be done. And a lot of people are walking by. All right. None of the gifts are elevated above any other gift. A server is every bit as much needed in any community. Uh, there's another one called a compassion person. All right. Now, 
there's a survey that you could take in this uh, in in the course, and I score terribly lowly on the on this one, yeah, close to zero. Right, my <laughs> wife, her main thing is being a com- person of compassion. Right, so learning the different giftings or talents also opens you up to understanding and showing more grace for people who have different talents than you do. Oh, I, I don't that. have to try to become a, a compassion person. Right. Right? Right. I do have to love my fellow man. I'm not saying you, you can avoid that commandment. All right? right. But it's not what I'm good at. It's right. what she's good at. So I can appreciate her gifting because none of them is any better than any other one. It's all right? the hands and feet. Yeah, yeah totally. Now there's a whole other level of this, this, they call them motivational gifts because they make you do what you're going to do. Yeah. Okay. And if you line up your life path by focusing on using the tools, the gifts, the talents that you have, everything goes better because God knows better than we do. Right. 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 Oh, of course. Yeah. The, the other level of it is there's generally a primary gifting and a secondary gifting. And the secondary gifting, you have it, but it's not as strong as your primary gifting. Mm -hmm. And the neat thing about discovering your purpose is it becomes obvious to you. You know how many people are wandering around wondering what their purpose is? Yeah, yeah. Even if they found an occupation that used their skills, skills are not the same as talents, right? That's true. They still are wondering, what does God want me to do with my life? What's his agenda instead of my agenda, right? Discovering that you have a primary and a secondary gift allows you to look into there's an interplay between them. Okay. So I'm only going to use myself as an example because I don't know your giftings yet. <laughs> I would like to get to know you well enough yeah. to know that, but we'll see. Um, being a teacher first and an exhorter second. And, and the thing about giftings, these motivational gifts, you may be discounting one of your gifts because environmentally your family wasn't for it, for example. Okay? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I grew up in a sarcastic intellectual environment. Okay? Exhorting, encouraging other people is a better word for it. It's not so Christianese. Right? To be an encourager was mocked. It was like. Oh, you goody two shoes, you, you know, you, you Pollyanna, what are you positive and right? Yes. And that was not respected. So I squelched that gift until I discovered it. Right? Now it's okay. secondary to my primary gift, but to give you an example, if I were primarily an exhorter and secondarily a teacher, then I would be predisposed to being, for example, a coach. Right? Coaches okay are more about motivating their players to excel and along the way they teach them the fundamentals of the game okay great example do it, right? okay. on my side of the coin it's i'm more interested and gratified by teaching you and then it's up to you what you do with it <laughs> right you know? yeah. i'm not an accountability partner as, as a mentor right <laughs> i am an accountability partner for some guys but you know but not as a mentor. A coach is different than a mentor in that a mentor is a relationship that requires mutual respect, but 
When the mentor says something, it implies a responsibility, a response on the part of the mentee yeah. to take that advice and put it to use. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So well, being this primarily this and secondarily that has taught me how to focus my talents into mentorship. So I mentor small fellowship groups. I mentor church things. I did all that kind of stuff and, and my course. So anyhow, that's probably about as short as I can keep the middle step, the motivational step. Oh, that's perfect. Oh, I love it. But when you know your giftings, it, life is a whole lot easier. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I can imagine. That's great. And the third one um, is more difficult and that's learning how to receive and operate the spiritual gifts. Yeah. And I know not everybody in the community, the Christian community, that is, even believes that the spiritual gifts are still operable. There's, there's a lot of people who think that, well, that's fine. That was just for the apostles. And now, you know, it's not available anymore. Right. Well, I assure you it is available. I've seen it. It's available. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the last part of the course is teaching them how to be open to receiving them. The, the difference between the, the DNA-based motivational gifts and the spiritual gifts is that spiritual gifts are not DNA-based. They are situationally required or encouraged or you're given an unction to do it because it fits that. So God wants to use you to operate in a spiritual gift, even if it's a gift you've never operated before. Right. He'll put you in that situation. And you. then it's up to your submission and obedience to say, okay, I'm going to walk across the street and do something that he told me to do, you know, give the homeless guy my gold watch or, or whatever. It seems totally illogical and everything, but I'm going to do it. Right. That's how you strengthen your ability to operate that gift is by being able to hear it and then acting on it immediately. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, that's happened. That's happened to us. And it does, you just, you just can't explain it. You just know in your guts, in your spirit, that you are aligned in that moment. You know that, that you were supposed to do it. It is definitely not something you do for everyone. Oh. It's definitely not something you've done before yeah. or you do often. I mean, we've had God tell us yep. that in a very, just very weird situations, not weird like the situation was weird, but it just, th there's situations that we've heard people have before. I mean, you know, you come across a situation like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. And then in this one time that has makes no sense why this one time would be different, God's like, I want you to do this. And you're going, okay. Okay, we can do that. And what's interesting to me is that you know when God says when God's saying it and here's why. Because normally if I heard God if I if I heard even the thought in my head to do some of these things, I'd be like, "Wait, why would we do that?" But I never say that when it's God. I don't even question it. <laughs> I immediately look at him and I know and he goes, "Yes." And we wouldn't even have to have an argument. Like he's like, "Yep." It's it's super weird, yeah. and, but it but it's always super no, weird in a good way. It's no, like, it's "Wait always, a minute." It, it's this, it's always been I, I know you what you're know saying, you're supposed to but do it. it's always been just this beautiful thing because we know that, that number one, we're being called to be obedient, yeah. but God in that moment is choosing us yeah. to be obedient, to walk out that yeah. spiritual gift. And, and, you know, when you said, you know, if he calls you to, walk across the street and give that homeless person your gold watch. Uh, that really, that really hit home, uh, to me and, and reminded me of there's several, several situations where, um, uh, that God has called us into those, those situations. 
out of the blue, just yeah, uh, out of just, nowhere. It, 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 we there was no lead up to it. There was no warning. It just happened. And I, I've never had a gold watch to give away, but <laughs> but the thing is, is you know, sometimes I've had a, a little bit of extra money. I remember there's 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 this one point where we got a little bit of extra money. It just it just came. It was it was a surprise to us, and we were like, oh, that we're that's that's a blessing. That's great. And then I, me myself, I couldn't really speak for my wife, but. Uh, I was thinking of all the ways I could spend it now. I could spend it sure. this. I could do this now. I could do that. And then um, we we went to church. Church didn't even start. It didn't even start. And we there was this uh, there was this lady that uh, something had happened to her a lot in her life, and 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 someone close to her, and that required that she she needed to leave to fly and, and to fly and to and to go out to uh, one of her uh, good friends and she was distraught because she couldn't she knew she couldn't do it she couldn't afford the plane ticket and in that moment and my <laughs> wife's talking to her and I'm I'm like away from her we hadn't discussed anything but at the same time God told us to just give what we just got the extra money Give away. it to her. That just was for give her. It away. I mean, we yeah. had just got that money, yeah. and we saw that that was the exact amount that she needed, and we we knew it, and we were like, "Great!" And it's like you just there's so many times. The reason why this is such a beautiful thing is there's so many times in our lives that we wish we could do something and don't have it. So when, when God hands it to you, instead of being like, "Oh, I just got that money," of course, blah blah blah. You know, instead of doing that, just know I've learned my lesson now. Anytime we get anything extra, I look at him, I go, I don't know what this is for, but it's going in the bank because I'm telling you we're going to get something. We're going to get a sign or something. I know this is for, and not, it's not always for someone else, but you know, sometimes it's for something that comes up and God's covering us. And that happens a lot too. But it's, it's always like, okay, what is this for? So when, when that happened, it's like you immediately have this comforting feeling of like, oh, well, God's allowing me to be involved in being able to help someone, but having the means to do it and not having it be just my sacrifice. God's providing for his people through obedience and listening, right? And then the best part is that after, what's another confirmation always that it's God, is they look at you and they go, how could you have known that? Right? Yeah. And it's always God speaking to his people and going, I'm here, I hear you, I'm in your conversations, and I'm connecting you, and I will I will equip you, and I will provide for you. And it's such a beautiful interaction when we just listen to God and do it, and then we we, we like, bond as people spiritually that way it really builds our faith and builds our our community and builds um our it not builds our just our faith but our relationship with god is stronger and we hear him right. more often it's like a practiced thing it's like building a muscle you know yeah exactly right no i mean i am you were really when you your three steps is that Fantastic. really speaks my language we've been talking about this yep. it, uh, for many many years on the really the christian community altogether. on i know the christian community we all know the, about the hands and feet of god but uh, so many times we get so locked in to what we think we know about god and our uh spirit our our spiritual life and things like that we we become narrow-minded and we become mm -hmm. that this is the picture of Christianity. This is what 
being a, a Christ-filled person is like, and you need to fit here, rather than thinking, wait a second, I thought we were supposed to be the hands and feet of God. It, it My hand, you guys, my hand is different than my feet, right? Yeah. My head is is different from parts of my body. I, there, my arm, my arm is different from my leg. It's different lengths, right? It does has different functions. It operates in different ways. But when we think about our spiritual life, we don't think that way. And it, it, it we've like I said, we've talked about yeah, this for many we've years. Talked about it for years. And mm-hmm. we need to honor and respect the hands and feet of God. And by doing that, we do that by respecting that and understanding that God has different purposes and different callings for different people. And it may look a little bit different than you expect, than you expect. And maybe, and it's okay for that. Maybe you don't operate in that way, but they do. And that is equally Mm -hmm. a blessing and a, a, a beautiful thing in God's eyes. It's equally well, the same way. Paul, so you're doing huge things for people. Yeah. You're doing huge things for God. You have absolutely 1,000%. Mm-hmm. I know we're all human and we're all fallible, and I'm sure that you're a human being. <laughs> but <laughs> you're, there's so many things that you've really done right and just so many ways that you're helping people. And so I just want to just thank you for coming on and sharing that because I know that there's people that will absolutely come and find you and, um, you know, just – Get the things that God's trying to give them. I wanted to go back um, real quick uh, and just make sure we get that shout out that you wanted for organ donation because that's a huge deal. There yeah. it is really under discussed and like we're we're organ donors like on our driver's licenses or whatever. Can you just talk a little bit just for a moment about how people can do that and why they should do that? Yeah. Well, why they should do it is it's a waste of human life to let one slip by just because somebody wasn't aware that they had the opportunity to become a donor, right? But for you two individually, I would say, you need to take another step beyond the uh, signing of your driver's license, depending on whatever stage you're in, that's good, okay. But I know these organ coordinators and I know how they're trained and how they behave in the medical community. If any of the next of kin or actually the next of kin, has reservations about it, that overrides your license. Oh, they okay, I didn't know that. That's great information. The to move forward. So what you need to do once you've decided to become a donor is don't just notify the authorities, notify your family mm-hmm. so that if that situation arises and they're confronted by is not the right word, approached by a uh, organ coordinator, right? They could say, yes, I know this is what his desire of his heart was. I want you to do that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so tell your family, all right? Um, the, the why, obviously, you can't use your organs when you're dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Right. But there's a living, breathing person out there who can, and it's not just your heart your liver or your kidneys. What I learned by doing some volunteer work for these folks um, was that the average donor will beneficially impact up to 17 lives. Wow. Wow. Okay. Because there's a lot more going on. 
My my wife made a good friend of the guy who got his liver transplant when I did. He didn't even make it out of the hospital. This is a long time ago before they had it down. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. He was so inspired by it that she became a cornea harvester. Yeah. She was, okay. she was a hairdresser. <laughs> and she became a cornea you know, to promote uh, organ. So there's corneas. The biggest one for me was, was the uh, tissues, skin tissues. Never occurred to me. I became a donor and didn't think anybody was going to be using my skin. Right, right. right. Well, I used to ride a shuttle bus in Boston because uh, after a transplant, you don't get to leave right away. you, you got to stay right close till they get the immunosuppressants balanced and so forth. But So I'm riding every day on this little shuttle bus that has more burn victims in it than anything else because next to Mass General, there's the Shriners Burn Institute. Okay. Right? And I could see the suffering, all right? pain that far surpassed anything I had been exposed to. Right. And the idea that if you become an organ donor, you're going to be contributing to the alleviation of the nastiest pain I can think of, because it takes a lot of skin grafts, you know, if the person's really involved in a fire, yeah. okay, to get them back to where they're not in pain anymore. Wow. So that's my biggest motivation for me as skin donors is... <laughs> Not a skin donor, an organ donor. Yeah. Uh, you don't think of your epidermis, if you will, your skin as an organ, but it is. It's but the it largest is. organ you got. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I know I had never thought of that either. And what an amazing gift. I mean, honestly, like it, it really, really is because where are they getting more of that? They're not getting it from anywhere else. You know what I mean? They're, it would have to be donated. Um, yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't, it's just something that, again, is under discussed. I love that you said to get your next, your, your family, your next of kin notified. I imagine putting it in your will or your, um, not your, your will probably. Well, that, that, not to contradict you, but by the time they read your will, the opportunity to become a donor is passed. Oh, okay. That, that's that's well, would true. That you know? be, would it be then your, um, what is that document for when you're yeah. having medical procedures? And, uh, your what's directive? It? Yeah, your directive. Medical directive? Yeah. Um, check with your state, because I know you got listeners all over. Sure. Okay. Each state has their own. In, in I'm in New York State. With us, it's a driver's license. That's all it takes. Okay. Right? As long as your Mexican doesn't contravene that, fine. Okay. 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 No, I was just wondering if that was like maybe a, a no, something a, else you could do. Uh, but no, no, no. That's, that's great good information. Because yeah. I, since, I just didn't you brought it up, it. can I add one little thing? It, yes, it does have to do with uh, the donation aspect is that when you mention a health proxy, okay, if you have one, read it and see if it says do not intubate on it. Okay. okay. Okay, or DNI, they call it. Okay, the problem with DNI orders, and they do look at those right away. That's not like you will later on. They look at if you're near death, they're going to look at that. And if you have a DNI on there or do not intubate, your organs are likely to go to waste, even if you're a donor. Because when death occurs, you can be intubated to keep oxygenation happening to those organs oh. and keep them vital. Okay, so if you have a do not intubate, then they wouldn't intubate you and they wouldn't keep your organs like... Well, it depends on how much time goes by. Right. I mean, uh, but it's, I mean, it's, it's not 100% one way or the other, but it does cause the loss of donatable organs to happen. Absolutely. Yeah, so so obviously that is uh, different from a DNR. DNRs do mm -hmm. not res resuscitate, but you could still right. be have... Intubated. A, intubated, yeah. is what yeah. you're saying. So that's yeah. that's a very... 
That's a very good point. Monica Never just jumping in here. She says, it's called an advanced directive. That's right. You can always fill one out at any hospital that you are involved in with your doctors or before you go into any procedure. Yep, absolutely. Yep. yep. And, you know, the thing is, is that I just want to make sure we go over the, went over this before we ended because this is, well, part a big part of your story and what your you know your outreach, um, but I don't think people just know enough about this. So I did want to make sure we went over it, like you said. And so I, pre- I really appreciate your information. Um, I want to make sure people know how to get a hold of you before we run. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and put up right here. If you want to get a hold of Paul and his Three Steps to Wholeness uh, program, make sure you contact him at Paul at Three Steps to Wholeness dot com and just give him an inquiry about, you know, how do you get into his program? He is switching gears on his websites and things right now. So the best way to get a hold of him would be to do this. Um, he has definitely has a blog. You can check, check out, obviously check him out at Paul Silva on, you know, Facebook and LinkedIn and things like that. Uh, you'll definitely be able to get a hold of him there. Anything else you would like to leave our audience with, with maybe what's the number one thing you would tell someone when they're going through all these things, um, did you would leave them with today? Trust God. Yep. It's a lot harder to do than it is to say. Yes. Absolutely. There's a lot in that statement. Yes. And it's it's absolutely the truth. Yep. I totally thank you so much for being on with us today, mm-hmm. Paul. You're such a joy and a blessing to have around. And you definitely will get to know us more and get to know our gifts because I think we want to I would definitely want to talk to you more about that because I just think it's great what you're doing. So yes, absolutely. Well, listen, thank you. Again. Well, it's been fun. I, I really like how you guys operate. You're just, you know, I can tell you're my kind of people. <laughs> <laughs> well, God's All definitely right. bringing up the his people together lately. So I, I appreciate you saying that. Well, listen, we're going to let you go and we're going to okay. um, have you uh, go backstage. But we we want to make sure that everybody knows how to get a hold of you. So we'll put the links below this uh this episode. And so if you want to get a hold of Paul, make sure you hit him up there. Okay. Thanks again, okay. Paul. Have right, a Paul. great Thank rest you. of your day. Have a great one. Bye. All right. So that was way more than I even expected. Cause I know we talked to Paul before and you know, we kind of knew his story, but he, he didn't of course go through his steps. Those blew my mind. That's right on point. It goes even deeper than I would have even thought. Right. I'm and, just so fascinated. And, and it really goes even deeper. I love hearing someone's perspective that is in alignment with us, but goes deeper and, and brings up things that in a way that I never really thought of. Right. Different but, perspective. Right. And so we always, that's why we do this show to bring other people's perspective. It, you know, it's not just about you and I, <laughs> right? right? Yeah, of we course. Want, we want to bring in other people's perspective because there's, you know what, if you might be someone that you don't relate to me, and I don't take any offense to that, but you light up when you hear Paul. You He said something today that just got you thinking. Mm-hmm. And God has really been speaking to you about something. And maybe Paul said something today that just confirmed that. And that that's the, the whole idea of our Saturday, our this Saturday show, mm-hmm. that there's something that is said that ignites that underdog within you that ignites that's that thing that keeps you pushing that yeah. keeps you moving forward that that actually awakens something in you even in the midst of your storm so i hope that you guys got something out of today i really do uh, so if you do please hit like and and share this be sure if Again, you're, we're, we're broadcasting now live in uh, on YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to our, our new channel and that 
we, that uh, you can get notified when we do go live again and when we post more things. Absolutely. And listen, if you want to uh, make sure that you are uh, subscribing uh, to our, our podcast too, make sure you jump over to heartofanunderdog.com where you can listen to our audio podcast on the go, anywhere you want. You can share those. You can subscribe to that. Make sure that you're hitting us up there. And again, if you want to sponsor our show, if you want to be our one of our platinum sponsors or and get a shout out maybe for what you know your outreach is, if you have a business or something, we do have platinum sponsorships where we will give you shout outs on our show live so that make sure that people know where to find you and we will be doing that regularly for you. So make sure you're jumping over to hobbyandjessicamadrigal.com to partner with us there. And look, if you want to go deeper with us. If you want to get to know us better, if you want to see our, the work that we're doing, if you want to get healthy and you want to really tackle your lifelong health, you can jump into our free group on Facebook at facebook.com backslash groups backslash adapt and overcome your health. And that's where you're going to find just a ton of information and a community of people fighting the things that they, their battles with, um, you know, an overcoming spirit. These are the underdogs, right? So we thank you for joining us today. Have an absolute wonderful day and be blessed. Have a great weekend. Bye.